We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids. I'm Julia Plugi with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. And I'm Michaela Ray with the National Wild Turkey Federation. Follow us on our outdoor adventures. Welcome back to She Goes Outdoors. In this episode of season two, we welcome back a special guest that joined us about a year ago. In fact, she uh, was one of our first guests. She talked to us about hunting while pregnant. And this episode, we bring her back on a little bit of different scale of discussion, uh, focusing more on her professional and her career with the Nebraska Game and Parks. So let's join in on the conversation with Monica McCubery. Monica joined us. She was actually one of our first guests when we first started the whole podcast series. Uh, she shared her story about going deer hunting while pregnant. I still think if I go back to this day, I think that has been the episode that has had the most listeners full through. So if you haven't heard that episode, you should go back. Uh, lots of fun, very um, inspiring, especially given that we are moving into the fall hunting seasons to use that as a motivation. Don't let pregnancy keep you from the field. We're going on a little bit more of the, her career with and her job and how I met Monica. Her position with Nebraska Game and Parks is State Project Wild Coordinator with Nebraska Game and Parks. And today we're talking um, about reptiles. And I wanted to pick her brain because this is her baby. She loves reptiles. October 21st, coming up real, real fast, is National Reptile Day. And welcome, Monica. How are you doing? Good. Uh, thanks for having me on, Julia. Tell us about how National Reptile Day came to be. And you were sharing how our governor here in Nebraska had signed a proclamation. Tell us a little bit how that all came to be. Yeah, so every single year on October 21st is National Reptile Awareness Day. And we were sitting in the office thinking about next big project. And I noticed this was coming up on the calendar. And I really wanted to do something with it. We had done or Nebraska Bird Month. Um, celebrating birds, and we did a pollinator week, so why not reptiles? Every single year, they celebrate National Reptile Awareness Day. A lot of people don't know about it, but we actually did have our governor sign a proclamation saying that Nebraska will celebrate this as a holiday on October 21st. Uh, unfortunately, we don't get school out for it or get a day off or anything, but it's still very exciting to talk about. I feel like we should go to the field and look for reptiles. Like that should be the day. Not touch them, just go out and scout them out. Yes, yes. You have to look for a reptile that day. Not everyone may recognize what a reptile is. What is a reptile? Uh, so there's a few things that uh, all reptiles will have. There's a lot of different types of reptiles. When you think about it, we have snakes and turtles and lizards. And even not in Nebraska, we have things like crocodiles and alligators. But all reptiles are going to have scales. That is something that is very common um, with every reptile. It's a body covering. It helps protect the inside of them, just like our skin protects us. Um, they also have lungs. Big, huge difference between reptiles and amphibians is that reptiles will have lungs that they breathe, uh, using to breathe just like people do. 
and then amphibians will actually breathe through their skin. Not all of them will have lungs on them. Uh, reptiles also will lay eggs. So not every single reptile lays eggs. There are some that actually give live birth, like garter snakes here in Nebraska. They don't lay eggs, um, but a lot of them will lay eggs. And then reptiles are also going to be what we call ectotherms, or they are what we call cold-blooded. Whatever their temperature is outside is what they are going to be. So it just depends on what that environment is like, and it depends then on what their temperature will be. So I was listening to uh, Dennis Ferraro. He is one of our, or he is the reptile specialist to the University of Nebraska. And I was watching one of his Zooms presentations to kids the other day, and he had asked the kids, you know, what makes a reptile a reptile? And it just cracked me up because the kids are like, he's cold-blooded, it's cold-blooded. And his comment was, the only cold-blooded things are the people that don't like snakes. And it just cracked me up. He's very um, passionate about his reptiles. <laughs> he is very passionate about reptiles, snakes in particular. And he was talking about gardener snakes. And I didn't realize that gardener snakes are basically, I mean, they're, they're born live, not in a... I think you mentioned that they're not um, born or hatched out of eggs, right? Yes, they, a lot of people didn't know that, like you said, but yeah, they don't lay eggs. They're just born alive. They just come out as little mini snakes. Not all of our listeners are in Nebraska, but because we're talking about um, Nebraska and the governor signing the proclamation, what reptiles are native to Nebraska? Think about reptiles. People think of these ginormous venomous snakes and um, or these huge turtles. I mean, honestly, what are snakes or turtles or reptiles in general that are native to Nebraska that, that I might see occasionally or common? Yeah, uh, so Nebraska has 29 different kinds of snakes. Um, a lot of people worry about the venomous ones. We only have four venomous ones, and we go out looking for them, and we often have a hard time finding them. So prairie rattlesnakes can be kind of common if you're out in western Nebraska. Uh, but bull snakes are very common as well. You're going to find things like garter snakes or a lot of people freak out about uh, water snakes. Uh, so we have what's called the northern water snake, which looks similar to everyone that's scared of the cottonmouth or what we sometimes call a water moccasin. Uh, we don't have those in Nebraska. We just have the northern water snake, harmless, uh, but still very common next to water or even swimming in the water. Uh, we also have 10 different kinds of lizards, which a lot of people don't know about. Um, a lot of times they're going to be out in western Nebraska, uh, but we also have skinks. So similar to a lizard, but they're going to be a little fatter and a little, um, if you would touch them, they're going to be a little softer. They're not as scaly. They're a little softer. And then we have our turtles. We have nine different kinds of turtles. So snapping turtles, box turtles are very common. Painted turtles can be just found in about every single county in Nebraska. So they're very common as well. You know, we have a lot of listeners that join us from Iowa and Kansas, part of the She Goes Outdoors outreach. I suspect that maybe Kansas and Iowa may be very similar, at least along our borders to, to comparison of reptiles. Uh, maybe getting farther south in Kansas, you might find some different species or diversity. What do you think? Yeah, uh, Kansas, I know for sure, has very similar um, animals that we do, very similar reptiles. Um, from what I know about Iowa is that we, they have a few species that we don't, and they have a little bit more of an abundance of some of the ones that we find that are rare in our state. So it, okay. it's kind of a cool thing. We have very similar habitats, but still very different species between those three states. You know, and part of your position with Project Wild is 
you know, you educate youth, you educate adults about reptiles and wildlife. And I think so many recognize that our game in parks is just about big game or fishing. Tell us about your position with Project Wild. Um, and, you know, and also tell us, tell us about the Project Wild program and what you do on a daily basis. Yeah, so um, if you haven't heard of National Project Wild, it is a national curriculum um, that is interdisciplinary. So it focuses on things like conservation and environmental education um, in the form of a curriculum guide um, for formal and non-formal educators. So anyone from like a classroom teacher to an ag teacher, um, even Hunter Ed kind of uses some of the Project Wild activities as well. So it talks about different things on how to get kids outside and getting excited about being outside but also talking about nature topics, things like pollinators, um, insects, birds, bats, um, energy, life cycles, all of those different things. And so we facilitate a lot of the Project Wild, Growing Up Wild for Younger Students um, curriculum guides here in Nebraska. So big part of my job is coordinating that through the state and getting the workshops up and going, even now in a virtual setting, we are still doing them. So on a daily basis, I could be, you know, answering emails about uh, people send me, what is the snake? And they'll send me a snake photo, or I'm setting up a workshop, or uh, Julie and I do some collaborations with BOW as well. So it's, I love my job because it's never the same thing every day. It's something new and it's always different. If I'm a teacher and I just heard this, how can I learn more about the Project Wild, uh, National Project Wild curriculum and bring that into my classroom? You can go to our website. So we do have a special page on uh, the Game and Parks web main page. It's just outdoornebraska.gov slash project wild. Uh, so if you go to that website, you can view all of our scheduled workshops. You can find out some free resources that we have as well, such as virtual programs and things like uh, the Project Wild uh, trainings, as well as things like educational trunks and kits. So Everything can be found there on our website, um, or you can just email me directly too. Or you can get my phone number from Julia. So yeah, we can. We'll definitely post that on to our Facebook as well. And are you doing certification trainer trainings for uh, instructors? Are you doing them virtually right now? We have really focused on our growing up wild, which is for our younger audiences. It's about a three through seven year old. Um, so it's a little different than Project Wild, which is K through twelve. Um, that one takes a little longer, so we haven't done any virtual programs yet. We are working on doing some collaborations with the Forest Service, but um, as of right now, yes, we are doing Growing Up Wild, and we will be getting more on the calendar for the rest of the year. You know, three is through seven. That's not preschool age, so especially those daycares or preschool programs looking for some engagement into their classroom is definitely need to, to check this out. Yeah, they're still needing their training hours, and we want to help them with that, so. Okay, cool. So let's jump back to the reptiles. I wanted to segue and let's wanted to talk about you. Now we're going to jump back to those reptiles. The other day, I, you know, I found this baby snapper moving across the road. We live out on a farm on a gravel road. And I, I just didn't want that snapper to get run over. The grain trucks are driving like crazy. Um, I did move it off the road. I moved it in the same direction that it was going to. Did I do the right thing? Should I have left it on the road? What do you suggest? Well, I love reptiles, so I always tell people that if you can help them, then yes, do it, um, but do it safely, like you said. So um, a lot of people always wanna pick up snapping turtles by their tails. 
Um, this is totally wrong, especially the really larger snapping turtles. You could actually break their vertebrae in their back. In their back. Uh, so what you want to do is, I know this does not sound ideal, but if you can pick them up, pick them up right where their tail is. Keep your fingers together, pick them up because then they can't bite you. They actually have a really long neck and they can reach around if you get too close to their shell. So um, if you don't feel comfortable picking them up or touching them, you could always give them a gentle little scoot with your foot or a stick or something like that. But yeah, just like you said, get them going the same direction. Don't turn them around. Otherwise, they'll just go right back on the road. And, um, who knows what will happen after that. So I, it was kind of funny because I did stick a little stick in front of it. Because I, I, I mean, at what age do a snapper start getting a little aggressive? Um, you know, I don't know, actually. Um, we have one in my office. His name's Chomper. And he's probably about five years old. And he's just starting to get to the point where I think he feels comfortable um, oh. snapping. So um, when they're little, they, they know that you're a predator because you're bigger than them. But as okay. they're a little bigger, I think they get their confidence. So That would make sense. He was just a little guy. I wasn't you know, really afraid of him because I could pick him up and move him no matter what. I mean, his little mouth wasn't going to do much harm yeah. to him anyways. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought, oh, I'll test your reflexes out. And <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I'm glad I got him off the road and, and we all moved on. The weather's starting to change. It's the fall season today in Nebraska. It's um, a little chillier. What do reptiles do when it starts getting cold? You know, to my knowledge, they like the warm weather. So what time, what point do they start shifting their life cycle or are they in what they do given that the, with the winter season coming along? Yeah, so it just kind of depends on how the weather's going. Uh, we've had a pretty warm, uh, besides a couple weeks here, a couple days, we've had some pretty warm weather. Um, everyone knows here it was like 90 yesterday. They, they really understand when it starts getting a little bit shorter, just like we notice the days are getting shorter, there's not as much light, the temperature's changing. All of that factors into them getting ready for winter. So um, snakes, turtles, lizards, skinks, all those things that we have here in Nebraska, people think they hibernate. They don't truly hibernate. Um, some snakes you can even see um, in the middle of a warm day, like on the snow. I've seen garter snakes in the snow before. I've seen snapping turtles swimming underneath the ice. Uh, so they don't completely hibernate, but they go into like a really kind of a light sleep. We call it torpor, where their metabolism just kind of slows down. They don't eat. They're not very active. They're saving all of their energy. So they find a really cozy, warm place underneath like a rock or in a cave or a den or something and kind of hunker down until it's warm and they might come back out and then go back to sleep. So. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it is, it's interesting because you do hear so many people say that they're hibernating, but, yes. but they yeah. don't. It's funny because not, there's not very few animals that truly hibernate. Um, even bears aren't ones that truly hibernate. They sometimes wake up during the um, winter as well. So. Sure. Get a snack and go back to bed. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so Monica, what is your favorite reptile? Um, in the United States or in the world? Oh, no, let's go to Nebraska. Let's go to Nebraska. Nebraska. Huh? All right. Um, my favorite reptile in Nebraska is going to be the Western hognose snake. These guys okay. are cute. They have the little noses that stick up like a shovel and um, they, you know, they throw up and they poop when they're scared. So who hey, is well, that? <laughs> I can relate. I can relate. Right? So. <laughs> and you have a hognose, right, As a, in your office? Yeah, yeah, I have two of them, actually, two little young hognoses. So, yeah, yeah. they're adorable. 
How about at the national level? What's your favorite, like across America, what is your favorite reptile? Um, a saltwater crocodile. They are just huge. They're cool. I have a tattoo of a crocodile on my back. So I, okay, cool. I love them. So they're just neat. Have you seen one in a while? Um, I have. When I went to Australia, we saw a couple of them kind of lounging on the side of a bank. And um, that was like a life moment for me. Like the angels came out and started singing. It was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great moment. <laughs> My son had the opportunity to go fishing down in Louisiana last um, winter, last, excuse me, last summer. And he, they were a spot where they were cleaning the fish and the croc, the, they were coming out, no, alligators, the alligators were actually coming up and eating the leftovers. So he just had that aha, love the moment of oh, like cool. reptiles coming up and cleaning up his fish. They are, they are a, him. It was like a free yes. meal. They loved him. Exactly. They knew where these people clean their fish. Hot spot. It was like the buffet uh, for the reptiles. And they are, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got it in the world. Is there, is there a, that's a reptile that is not in America that you would love to go see that you have not seen in person? I would love to see a cobra in the wild. I think that would be really neat. I saw a black mamba when we were in Africa, and that was neat, but I never saw a cobra. I really wanted to see one, so. Not like the snake charmer cobra, like a real cobra in the wild, just slithering, like, by my feet, but, like, from a safe distance, you know, but. <laughs> but I think, you like, you honestly, your love for reptiles and comfort for a mom, you'd probably be okay if it was close. I'd be like the idiot that would get bit because I'd be so close and, like, wanting to see it. And take <laughs> so, but I'd be safe about it. You know, we kind of chatted about you spend your day answering questions, emails, phone calls. What are some of the typical questions that people reach out to you to answer? Well, we always get the snake ID questions. Um, people take a photo of a snake. Um, it's usually like the Loch Ness monster photos. Um, we laugh in our office because they're always unclear. They're shaky. They're uh, not in focus, you know, it's like from a thousand yards away with a cell phone. They're always really hard images to get good IDs, but we get those a lot, um, especially now in the fall because snakes are starting to move more. Um, they're coming out and people are seeing them. They might even see them in their houses. So we get a lot of questions about what is this snake? Is it venomous? Um, what do I do with this snake? So, um, but it's kind of cool because we get a lot of, uh, county records right now. Um, I work with Dennis a lot and a lot of people are sending in photos because everyone has a cell phone now and it's kind of neat because we can get really good data. It's almost like citizen science data um, about our reptiles because we still don't know a lot about what we have in Nebraska or where they are and it's always nice to have uh, the public's help as well. Well that's cool. Yeah. Um, is there like you know sometimes on the with plant identification, there's apps that we can have on our phones. Are there any apps out there that would help us identify, you know, like birding apps that, an app that I can put on my phone that help me identify the reptiles in my area? Um, so there's not a specific app for reptiles, but you can always use what's called iNaturalist. Um, you can just take a photo and there's people from all over the world, all over the country. Um, it kind of pins your location, your GPS location from your phone. And usually people um, will say, oh, I think this is a garter snake or it is a milk snake or something. And, and then a, a person will um, 
come back and ID it as well. So you might get that, what we call a research grade um, observation. So it means it's pretty accurate. So um, you can always use iNaturalist. It's free to use. You can download it on your phone. You can upload photos straight from your camera. Um, and it's really user-friendly. So that's probably the one I would use. Sweet, sweet. Then I'll have to look that up and put that on my phone as well. I'll post that on our Facebook so that we can have a link to for others to put on their phone. Yeah, yeah. It's really fun to use. What is the silliest question that you have received from the public? Or maybe even kids. I mean, let's go to kids. Like kids just asked the hilarious questions. Oh man, about snakes uh, or reptiles. Um, I've had someone ask me one time, so we had a we had a snake that was going through shedding. It was shedding its skin. And when they shed their skin, they actually shed their eyeballs as well, the top part of their eye. And um, so when they do that, they can't see very well. Um, their eyes are kind of milky blue, almost looks like they have cataracts. So one time I had a kid ask me where his dog was. And I, I was so confused. I was like, what do you mean his dog? Um, like, does he have a pet dog or what are you asking? And so I, I said something about how they're right now, they are blind, they can't see. So the kid was actually asking, where's his seeing eye dog for the snake? And it's not a question, but it was, it was probably the most funny thing I've heard. Um, it took me a minute to get what that kid was saying, but he was dead serious. He's like, where's <laughs> eye dog for the snake? And I was like, I don't know, bud. <laughs> We need one. The connections, the connections yeah. that people make. And that, I mean, that's the connection that he made with that if you're blind, that you have a service dog. Yes, exactly. So we needed a service dog for that snake, apparently. Oh, funny. Found a shed the other day um, in one of our grain bins, and I took it to my, my sons, my three sons uh, that are. 10, 8, and 3, and none of them wanted to touch it. And here comes my three-year-old daughter. She's trucking along, and she grabbed it and had to go show her grandparents. So That's awesome. <laughs> Monica, she might be right there with you, just for love and no fear of them. Oh, good. Well, her and Tori can hang out, because Tori touches all the snakes at the zoo, and there was, a like, a 40-year-old lady that was crying the last time, wouldn't touch it, but Tori walked right up there and touched it like it was nothing, so <laughs> proud mom moment right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I bet your daughter was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were proud of her. She'll probably, well, the rest of us have pet dogs. Tori will have a pet snake or two. Oh, yeah. She totally will. <laughs> Do, does she have a pet snake already? Um, we don't have one at the house. My husband's not too keen on snakes, but I'm sure she gets older. She might be asking for one and we'll uh, make it work. So she can always <laughs> come to the office though and visit our snakes here. So True, true. Is there anything else before we wrap up that you want to share with our listeners about reptiles? Um, you know, we've talked about what makes a reptile, some different species in the region, how to care for them. Um, you know, as we're getting ready to hit the field, you know, we talked about assisting maybe a reptile across the road if it needs help. Um, even if you just want to get it out of the way so it doesn't get run over. You know, given that we're hitting the field for hunting, we're going into the field fishing, hiking. If I come across a reptile, let's say a snake, what would you, and I, let's just say I'm afraid of snakes. I'm not, myself personally, I'm not fond of them, but <laughs> I definitely am not going to be one that's going to be scared to death of them. I'll probably 
go a couple feet away from them. Let's say our hunters are going out in the field and a snake crosses their path. What would you suggest for them to do if, if they're not fan of snakes? Yeah, well, we always tell people just leave it alone. And I know that's easier said than done, especially if you feel that it's a rattlesnake or you know it's a rattlesnake or a venomous snake. We always tell people just to leave it alone and just enjoy it from a distance. So um, if it comes across your foot or something, you know, just stay still until it moves along. Um, a lot of the times our venomous snakes, if it is a venomous snake, um, they will give you a warning. They give you that rattle saying, hey, you're a little too close. I don't like this their first instinct is not usually to strike. They only feel that way if they can't escape or if there is a direct threat to them. So we always tell people just, you know, watch where you're walking. And um, especially in those short grass prairies, if you're like upland hunting or something like that as well, um, or if you're in a area where you think they might be. So we always tell people also to kind of, and this might sound silly, but kind of know what is around before you go there. So if you go to a place, for instance, like Indian Cave, our timber rattlesnakes could definitely be there. Um, so just know what you're getting into and what the habitat and what animals are there before you go. Um, that sounds like a lot of work, but it, it could definitely, um, it could uh, save you and uh, make you feel more comfortable as well. So. Even maybe like just wearing a simple hiking boot. Yeah. Would, would help us too, just kind of a higher boot. Yeah, those ankle, um, I always wear ankle boots when I go out or if you have like fire boots, those are always good too. And just watch where you're going and, and pay attention. And again, if you do find a venomous or even a non-venomous, just simply leave them alone. Let them go about their day. Just like me, sometimes just leave me alone and let yep. me go about my day or I might strike. Exactly. I feel like that a lot. Too. Don't step in my territory or I might strike. <laughs> like I wish we could have a rattle like, oh, you're too close. I don't want to talk. Like this is my warning. Just leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> that's all they're doing right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners on the she goes outdoor podcast about reptiles just that they get a really bad reputation um that's kind of why we wanted to do this just bring awareness to kids and the public that reptiles um are very beneficial they're very misunderstood but they help us maintain healthy populations they control our rodent populations insects and our pest species um, they also help a lot of farmers and ranchers. Um, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of corn, there's a lot of soybeans, there's a lot of rodents. They help control those populations. As much as people sometimes don't like them or they're totally misunderstood, they're very beneficial. Um, and they help provide lots of food for other animals as well. Just, just love them. Respect them. If you don't love them, that's fine. Respect them. So respect them. They can eat all the rodents they want. My mouse poop is absolutely disgusting. So please please eat the mice, all the mice. Oh yeah. Like I just sometimes want a snake just running around just to eat the rodents. Absolutely. You talked about spreading the word. We, we didn't mention that right now in this COVID world, you're not able to hit the classrooms like you normally are able to do this time of year and, and share your reptiles with students uh, physically in the classroom. How are you able to continue to spread the word about reptiles to the classrooms? Uh, well, we're still doing some virtual programs. If teachers contact us or if they get hear the word through something else, we are still doing some virtual programming. Um, we will just kind of fit you in our schedule if we can, um, but we would love to help you in some way. If we can't virtually enter your classroom, we can certainly send you some resources or give you some places where you could find some downloadable free 
resources for your students to use as well. That's cool. Yeah, and I think today now teacher just you're just used to that. That yeah. You know, unfortunately, we can't have a physical visitor into our classroom, and so here's what we're going to do. And you know, we did that a couple of weeks ago where we had Monica and other presenters just talk to the kids straight on through Zoom. Uh, we keep mentioning Dennis Ferraro. He did that as well. And the snakes were like getting right into the camera and the kids absolutely loved it. It was just, and honestly, kids that maybe not, uh, even the teachers, like I've had so many teachers more respect the snakes activity because it's through the screen and not right in their classroom. Yeah. Don't forget that, you know, and connect reptile programs um, with your science standards as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you, Monica, for your time. And we're hoping that everyone will celebrate National Reptile Day with us. Yeah, hopefully. Let's, let's do it. Well, thank you, Monica, for your time. And have a great day. We hope to see you in the field in so many ways. Yeah, thanks, Julia, for having me on.